0: Welcome to the Nonprofit Exchange podcast: Stories by Leaders for Leaders to help you raise the bar on your own excellence, to release the potential inside of you. Now, here's today's podcast. Greetings, this is Hugh Balu. Welcome to the Nonprofit Exchange. This episode, we're going to focus on sponsorships. Now. That was kind of a mystery to me before, but I've, I've been studying sponsorships and I know enough about sponsorships to be dangerous, but it's a, there's a very fine skill in understanding what a sponsor wants with their marketing money and how, how you work with them. So my, my guest today has a whole business built around sponsorships. Now, um, I'm, I'm going to ask her to introduce herself and we'll get into some questions about it. So if you have questions and you're on the webinar, you can put them in the chat. If you're on Facebook, you can put it in the comments. Um, after the fact, you can send an email and that's on, on the site where you'll see this. It's called the nonprofitexchange.org. That takes you to the place where you can see the episodes from the last seven years. And we've had some really good, really good people sharing wisdom. And today is no exception. Every day, every week I do this, I learn a whole lot. My guest today is Charmaine Hammond. She's in Canada, way out on the western side of Canada. So we're in different places in the world. So uh, Charmaine, welcome to the Nonprofit Exchange. Please take a minute and tell people a little bit about who you are and why you do
1: what you do. Wonderful. Thank you. And it's so great to be here. I I love talking about sponsorship and my background, how I got into this is kind of interesting. My first career was actually working in jails. I was a correctional officer and collaboration was actually a very important skill set, part of how we kept each other safe and how we kept things up. On track in the jail system. And when I left working in the jail system, I went back to school, got a master's in conflict analysis and management, and became a mediator. And you can imagine, as a mediator, resolving disputes in families, communities, organizations, nonprofits, collaboration was critical. And then I took a job actually as a, um, a sponsorship decision maker and had the ability to give away money through grants and sponsored programs. And that gave me that experience of learning what goes into the thinking process of sponsors and granting organizations. How do they make their decisions? And then I had the opportunity to run a nonprofit. Now you can imagine how valuable that learning in the previous job was when I went into the nonprofit as an executive director and I discovered that Probably 75% of my job was finding money for the organization. So I was able to apply those skills. Now in my business, Raise a Dream, my business partner, Rebecca, and I help entrepreneurs, nonprofits, and service clubs, and charities be able to raise their dreams, launch their programs, and make a bigger impact through the power of collaboration and sponsorship.
0: So why do you do this? What's your passion?
1: Oh, what's my passion? I I get so jazzed when I see a group of people who might not ever otherwise come together, but a group of people who have come together for one reason, and that's to make some kind of a difference, to get some kind of a project off the ground, and you see the level of innovation and creativity that happens when a group of people with a big dream or an important mission come together to make a difference. I just find that magical, it's exciting to watch and my learning is always that together we can do so much more than we could as one individual or one organization. And from a nonprofit perspective, I have case study after case study of the incredible results that nonprofits and service clubs have been able to achieve through collaboration instead of through con- um, sort of competition and working independently. So that's what really jazzes me, that that electricity that happens when uh, people work together.
0: So you learn some things in the jail. Principally, <laughs> don't let the inmates run the organization.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that, that's a very important lesson, yes.
0: <laughs> when um, When... And, um, I, I lived in Atlanta. Um, Lester Maddox became mayor and he, he, um, he made a comment about our, our prisons. He said, We'd have better prisons if we had a better class of prisoner. And so, my joke I served a church, a big church in Atlanta. We have a better church, if we had a better class of sinner. <laughs> so, but, but we're people in, in an organization focused on doing good. Now, I, I just finished a, um, a stint as president of, of the board of a local nonprofit. And when I came on, they said, "Oh, we got all these corporate sponsors." And I said, "Really?" And, the, and so I started looking into it. And what I found out was that they weren't sponsorships; they were corporate donations. Uh-huh. It was it was out of their philanthropic philanthropic budget. Yeah. It was donations, but they, they it was a company, so they they thought it was a sponsorship. And there's there's we throw the term around. We have a fundraising banquet, and people sponsor a table. That's not what we're talking about here. Yeah. So, that, so it's, it's kind of, for a lot of folks in the field, um, sponsorship is kind of a gray term. So let's define what it is first and uh, what it's not. Would you do that?
1: I would. And I love that you have talked about the philanthropic arm of where corporations and brands often donate to nonprofits. And what we're going to talk about more today is that actual marketing relationship where a company, a brand, it could be your local pizza shop, it could be the national bank in your community or anything in between, when they go into a sponsorship relationship that's that's not a pure donation and philanthropy where they're not looking for anything in return, sponsorship is that marketing relationship where a company, that brand, is looking for something in return for their um, investing sponsorship dollars into into your project. So what they're often looking for when I talk to sponsors and I talk to sponsors every week, at the end of the day, they're generally looking for return on investment or outcomes or integrations that support their marketing plan. So that might be sales, it might be getting in front of a new audience. For example, if a company has a a new product and they've always served uh, a, a female audience and now they're going into a children's line for example mm-hmm. this is a new audience they're trying to get in front of so they're looking for something in return of their investment and i recently interviewed a sponsor they're a national company here in canada and they said when we in when we contribute sponsorship dollars not philanthropy but sponsorship dollars we're looking for about double the return of investment Um, to what we contribute so if we were to give uh, an organization ten thousand dollars of our sponsorship budget which comes out of their marketing line item on their budget then we're looking to you know through this relationship be able to justify x type of a return so what becomes critical in sponsorship is the relationship that you build with the, the brand the relationship that you build with the company. It's not them giving you a check and saying, have a great event, have a great program. They're looking to work with you in collaboration. My experience has been when you can really build an effective, sustainable relationship with that sponsor, they will often come on year after year and expand the ways in which they support your organization.
0: Um, So, there, you mentioned brand. I, I find that a lot of nonprofits have a logo and they don't have a brand, but they think they have a brand. Right. And so it's important to establish your brand and be well-established in that brand so that the corporate brand is well-represented with your brand. Yeah. You know, there's, there, there could be a negative brand influence if your brand isn't well-established or it's not well-thought-of. Yes. So to be qualified to even have that conversation, how do we establish our brand identity and our brand promise so that the company that we're talking to goes, oh, yes, I've heard of you. Let's talk. How do you get to that point so you're ready to have have that conversation?
1: What an awesome question, because there's so many ways that organizations can educate the world, their community, their clients, uh, their partners about their brand What's really important, I know firsthand that when sponsors are checking you out, for example, if you're uh, trying to connect with a sponsor and they're interested in setting a call up with you or a meeting or a discovery meeting, uh, they'll go and check you out. And, and that happens to me all the time. They go and check me out. They check all my brands. Uh, LinkedIn is one of the places they will go. Mm-hmm. So as an executive director clergy, it's really important to have your personal LinkedIn page and be very careful what you put on that. Uh, And also uh, your professional page, your organization's page. LinkedIn, certainly having a website that is understandable, that clearly communicates your audience. At the end of the day, sponsors are typically saying yes, because you have an audience that they're interested in. In getting in front of for either sales or marketing or promotion or, uh, or deepening relationships, So your audience needs to be clear. And, and one of the things I always say to nonprofit organizations is look at the pictures that you're putting up there. I'll give you an example. One of the groups that um, and think of the outcomes that you're trying to achieve because this will demonstrate to somebody just looking at your website first glance who you are, what you do, and who you serve. And then your social media, very important to have, uh, um, I don't wanna call it standard, a consistent way of communicating with your following. One of the mistakes I see a lot of times in organizations where there isn't a dedicated social media representative, whether it's from the organization or they contract someone, And all the staff and volunteer and board are going on. And the voice is different. And it's very confusing to go on a Facebook page and and the voice changes and you're thinking, jeepers, you know, um, what's going on? I don't understand this brand. So your way of communicating has to be clear as well.
0: So um, sponsor has very clear intentions. So what homework, they're checking you out So Mm -hmm. what do we need to do? What's our due diligence before we have the conversation? How do we find out what their marketing budget is, what their marketing goals Mm -hmm. are, and who their audience is?
1: Perfect question. And this is one of the biggest mistakes that nonprofits, organizations, entrepreneurs do is they will get the call and they do no research and they hop on the call and they're not prepared and they don't get the second call. And the the whole goal of call number one is get call number two. Sponsorship arrangements do not get sorted out in a 30 minute call. The research is critical. And I will tell you that sponsors will deeply appreciate, even if they don't say it to you, they will appreciate and know when you have researched them. For example, when I was connecting with, a big international company and I didn't know who to contact. I used LinkedIn and I found the sponsorship director, uh, actually sponsorship uh, director, I think was her title or VP. And I sent a LinkedIn connection request. And I said, I'm a big fan of your product. And I was just actually at an event where you were a sponsor and I had the chance to talk to one of your colleagues in, uh, in Canada. So I use that point of connection, which is 100% true. You always have to be authentic in these. But I use that recent point of connection as part of the connection request. And then in the, once she accepted the connection request, in the next communication, this is now leading up to getting the call, I went and researched, and you might want to all write this down, I went and looked at their web page. I don't just look at the sponsorship page. You actually look at their annual reports, check out their videos. Um, Sometimes they have an investor report and it'll show the types of projects that they have sponsored in the past. Um, I check out, I look at how do they word things? Are there words that the company uses over and over and over again? There's a company in Canada that is a coffee house. And if you go on Waves Coffee, I love talking about this brand, Waves Coffee House. And they use the word connecting, connectedness, connection. Um, they even talk about what a wave is. They describe a wave. And in the description of a wave, they use the word connection. So you can be sure when I talk to that brand, I use the word connection somewhere. You're researching the brand. Who do they serve? What matters to them? Then you go on to their social media. You do the same thing. You're looking around How? what are the type of people that are chiming in on this brand's uh, social media. How do they communicate? What kind of pictures are they showing? This will give you a lot of information. And you always want to have something that you can start the conversation with. Oh, I saw that you had a great press release on your website. Or, wow, I just saw on the news last week that you were hosting a such and such event. Show that you've researched them.
0: And... um... When you send them a letter, make sure you spell their name right.
1: (laughs) And don't copy and paste and have the other sponsors. (laughs) I've seen that. I did that once 10 years ago. It was horribly embarrassing. And I share this with you because it's all a learning journey. Here I am presenting a sponsorship proposal and the sponsor who I had spent nine months building a relationship with and she said, how thoughtful of you and I thought that's an odd response and she said oh you put our competitor's name in the proposal and I so here I am sliding my hands across the table to pull that document back and here's here's the important learning I said to her I said oh my gosh I am so sorry that was my error I'm going to take that proposal back and I'm going to actually clean that up. I am really sorry. And then I wrote an email to her after the meeting. And then she said, Charmaine, I want to set our next call. How you handled that blew my socks off. And it told me everything I need to know about working with you and your organization. How you handle something shows what you'll be like to work with. So mistakes happen. Yeah, I mean, that only happened once, but mistakes happen. How you handle them shows what you'll be like to be in relationship with
0: that's the key right there that word relationship yeah so so many people i've seen go to corporate donors or sponsors like it's an atm machine yeah i need money goodbye so there's a relationship underneath either one of these now there's some due diligence to understand what this company's goals are in their market is, are you a good fit for this market?
1: You bet.
0: You know, symphony doesn't necessarily want to market toys, Mm -hmm. (laughs) unless they're musical toys, but but, um, you know, there's gotta be an integrity of the brand fit. And and, um, is their audience, um, is their audience, you know, you're selling tires. It's probably not the symphony audience either. Mm -hmm. Everybody buys tires, but that's not what people want to read about uh, in the symphony brochure or hear a message about. Mm -hmm. So I notice on, um, we have public broadcasting here and uh, PBS on Sunday nights has Masterpiece Theater and their sponsors are like uh, Klein brand and um, Viking Cruises, Mm -hmm. you know, their market is people who watch that kind of show who are at a certain income level to be able to buy a Viking cruise. Mm -hmm. So that's a match for their audience. Mm -hmm. And so I'm sure that's a high level sponsorship with a high level sponsor, but they get a lot of good mileage to people who can actually book their, their trips. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: So so there's a, you don't want to market to people who couldn't buy your product.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's one of the, that's another mistake actually that people make is that they will kind of go through this list of who are all the big companies in our community? Or I hear a lot from organization, who has deep pockets? And so we need to move beyond that money. We have to see the sponsor, that brand as an entity, as an entity of people with values. And what we wanna do is exactly what you said, Hugh, is we wanna make sure that our values are in alignment with that company and that our projects our events, our programs actually can help them. That's why I love sponsorship. It's a two-way relationship where you as the sponsor seeker are helping that business at the same time as they are helping you. That's where that magic starts to happen, but you're absolutely right Hugh. You've got to check out that there's value alignment, that there's an interest in your audience, that, that your clients or programs are a fit for this company. Um, and, and that's where that research becomes really important. We have a seven-stage model uh, at Raise a Dream that we use. It's a seven-stage process for um, identifying right up to fulfilling sponsor uh, commitments. And, and what the first few steps are all about identifying the brands, researching the brands, and making that first connection. And what typically happens is somebody identifies the brand or company they want to get sponsorship from and they fire off a proposal, no relationship, no idea of what the company is looking for, what matters to them, what audience they want to get in front of and they send a proposal and, and I talked to one nonprofit. They said, Oh, we sent out a hundred proposals this month. And I thought, wow, how many people do you have working in your sponsorship department your your fundraising department? She said, Oh, just me. I'm part-time. And I said, Oh, so you sent out a hundred proposals, but you didn't meet with any of them. She said, yeah. And I said, how many of you got back? Zero. <laughs> so if you think about it, that's just like firing off a letter and saying, Hey, our organization is the best thing since Bryce sliced bread. Do you want to give us $100,000? Nobody says yes to that. So you've got to have the relationship before the ask.
0: So, um, that was about you. They don't want to, they don't want to know about you. They want you right. to know about them.
1: Exactly. So the conversation
0: is about them, isn't it?
1: It is, and that's why they call it a discovery call. And this is where you will be memorable to that sponsor. Sponsors tell me they get anywhere between 15 and upwards of um, 25 kind of pitches a day. There, one sponsor I talked to said, yes, there's 12 of them in her department and they're getting about 15 to 30 um, pitches each a day from people who want money. And then she said, and then my phone, she said, I probably book four or five hours worth of phone calls and each call is half an hour. And then I have emails to respond to. So she they this one sponsor is being sort of um, asked a lot. And I said, What makes who gets the return call? And Tracy said, The people who get the return call are the people who don't say, I've got this great program and you'd be a wonderful sponsor. Because she said, How do you know that if we haven't talked? She said, The person who gets the return call is the person who says something like, Hi, it's Charmaine calling. I'm really interested in learning more about your company. I read a couple of articles and saw that you were sponsoring this project in the community. And I would just love to learn more about you. Do you have 15 minutes for a call? And those are the calls that get returned.
0: Well, and it's instead of saying, could you call me? You've given them some context for it and a specific right. of what you want to talk about and that you know about what they do. You've done your homework. Right. So the likelihood is, is higher that you'd get that callback.
1: Exactly. And then they're thinking, who is this person? They actually want to learn about me. They want to hear about the brand. And, and so you will be memorable. And I can guarantee you, at some point in that conversation, the person you're talking to is going to say, Hugh, thanks so much for asking these questions and your interest in the brand. You obviously saw some synergy or you saw that there could be some connection here between our company and what you're working on. What are you working on? What do you see? um, Like what prompted you to call or where are those synergies? The conversation will somehow go there because the sponsor Uh, That brand is wanting to know, where do we go next? Is this a call that we book call number two? Or was this just an informational call? Sometimes that's all it is. Um, Was it clear at the end of that call that maybe there is no fit, but that's okay. You've still built a bit of the relationship.
0: So relationship, let's go back there. Um, I could go to XYZ company, do my due diligence, do that inquiry call and say, could we have uh, a short exploratory meeting to see if there's a win-win because I noticed this about your company and we have an audience that I think would be interested in your message. Mm-hmm. Um, now what's the difference in me doing that and me having you do that on my behalf because it would occur to me you do this all the time and you have trusted relationships um, so it's, it's probably with a company but a bigger company might use an ad agency so, you know, you know where to go for what size grant and I mean, sponsorship and what, you know, the geographic, all the all the, the rubrics metrics of that, you know, where to go to start. So what's the advantage of me saying, Charmaine, would you do this for me?
1: Great, so that I love that question. And we get asked that a lot. We get asked all the time, raise a dream. Will you go get us sponsors? And we teach people how to do this. We mentor them through the process but we don't go find you sponsors and here's why. At the end of the day, if, so if Hugh is wanting to um, get something sponsored, at the end of the day, the relationship is going to be with Hugh and his company and the sponsor. The best person to bridge that relationship is Hugh. So there are times when we might get on a call with a sponsor and a client, but what we do is teach those skills so that you are prepared to do this work. And that's, I have seen, we get a lot of calls from entrepreneurs and organizations who said, we hired this ad agency. They made a hundred calls and we got nothing. We spent $30,000 and we got zero. And I've actually, um, I, I know some people who used to do this in their former life. And they said, Charmaine, we basically dial for dollars. Hi, we've got this great client. They're doing this interested. No, okay, next no relationship so unless you find the right marketing company or the right ad agency that's going to take the time to build the relationship and actually follow kind of what's expected in the sponsorship world um, a person sort of doing selling of sponsorship could actually damage your brand i have a a colleague of mine who had a long-term sponsor i think five years this sponsor had invested uh, sponsorship money into a number of his different programs and projects and events every year without fail and he had always been managing that and then he got too busy and he hired a marketing company he lost the sponsorship he they phoned them they, they phoned the sponsor didn't mention the fact hey you've been working with us for 5 years how's it been nothing just basically went to we're doing this again are you interested And they thought, wow, that's very different from the treatment we've received every year. So you really need to do your due diligence. And it's my belief, because I'm on sponsor calls all week long for projects I'm involved with that are my own projects, as well as with clients. And the best person to build the relationship with a sponsor is you or your organization. That's just my strong belief.
0: Wait (laughs) a minute. You actually do this for yourself? yeah <laughs> you know so you don't just teach it you actually do it
1: i right i have a yes i'm actually working on a movie project right now that's largely being funded by sponsorship and and i'm on those calls i just confirmed three more calls this week before i got on and so what's really interesting for me is that when we're working with our clients and when i'm writing blogs and articles on this topic i'm living through this i actually uh, like I just did a blog about, I tested out these three questions on a sponsor and they really got traction. Try them. So we're doing this all the time in our own business for our own projects.
0: So you just kind of slipped that in. I wanted to make sure you knew I was listening. <laughs> just slide that in. I'm doing it for my yeah. project. So so, um, so you teach, let's say Hugh Ballou needs to raise money for an event for Center Vision Leadership mm-hmm. Foundation. So I enroll in your program. By the way, um, if you go to nonprofitexchange.org, the nonprofitexchange.org, there'll be a page uh, for this interview and the video's on there. And by tonight, there'll be an audio. And tomorrow, there'll be a transcript of everything she said and all its brilliance. But um, there's also their website, raiseadream.com. And we encourage you to go there and check out the work, um, the work that um, Charmaine and your business partner is Rebecca, Rebecca. Yeah. You have a really cool website. It looks really neat. Somebody, um, one of my colleagues was bragging on you one day and uh, while she was still talking about you, I was looking you up and then reached out to you and then you're here. (laughs) Here
1: um, we are. Here we are. The power of connection. Thank you, Lynn.
0: <laughs> yeah, Lynn Sanders.
1: Lynn Sanders. She's Lynn, awesome.
0: Yep. She's in our program. She's a good the referral partner and yeah. just all over uh, caring individual that is a good writer, helps people write yeah. their story. So she does. Um, I'm, we're at halfway point. I'm going to share my screen and just talk a little bit about Um, one of our sponsors and what we do and how we (laughs) how we pay for this stuff so um, easy card e letter e letter z easy card uh, is what we use and this is what it looks like on a computer but it fills your screen on your phone so if you send a text to 64600 64600 five digits and in the message you put three letters l DR. It's like leader, really short L D R to 64600. You get a text back and you click on it. You'll have this, you'll have center vision in your hand. And oh, so it, one of our sponsors is EasyCard, and they enable us to stay in touch with our network. So when people text you, they get this and they have the phone and they call me, they text me, email me, and they go to the website. You can find out about, about all the programs um, of center vision. Look here here's the nonprofit exchange. Look at there, raise a dream, (laughs) look at raise a dream. And if I clicked on it, we'd see the video, us looking at the video of the video, you know, it'd be like the the hall of mirrors, but you could have your own easy card. And down here, when you get this 64600, get your easy card. And why it's important for nonprofit organizations is you can list your programs and services, you can list your activities, Um, here's the Cinevision community, it's me talking about the value of the Cinevision community, but you can also text your tribe, you're having a board meeting, Um, you want to make sure people are on board for the board meeting, remember it's at 6 30 this week, and you send them a text, you have a volunteer pool, you want to send them a text, we're doing a work project this Saturday, it's from eight to four, people are busy, and sometimes they don't read emails. Sometimes they get the email and they forget. But if you send it the morning of, you send a text, hey, remember we're all working today, it's a work project. Um, it sort of cuts through all the noise and gets right to them. And those are people who are your tribe and you stay connected with. There's many more uses. So easycard.com is the sponsor. And if you get our EasyCard, card, you'll know about what we're doing. And we could keep you appraised of all the educational opportunities we offer at Center Vision Leadership. Foundation. So, um, Charmaine, um, there's so much to know about sponsorships. Um, so, the easy card works for me. I use it. We recommend it. You know, we have uh, we refer them. They refer us. We have a really good, solid relationship. And we have a couple others, like the printer of our magazine, teaches people how to do mail campaigns, mm. and it's exclusive. it's a place to stay in touch with the people that gave you money, letting them know what's happened to their money. Yeah. So there's there's these touch points that are important. Now in grants, we have to find a grant maker that wants to see the kind of success or results that we can create. Mm-hmm. And donors have a certain preference for things. We want to understand what the donors want to support, either their time, their talent, or their money, their supporters, board members, volunteers, or just supporters that are... That are celebrating. So we want to stay in touch with them. Of course, grants require us to report on the results of what we spent the money on. And they're typically not ongoing, but we want donors to be ongoing. What what's the most important thing that we you've talked about a lot of already staying in touch with the sponsor. So there's a protocol of relationship, but there's also a protocol of how do we co-create the results that they want to see. Yeah. And, and I have seen companies say, okay, we're going to put 10,000 in this and they forget it
1: because mm-hmm.
0: it's just sort of get it off my plate, do it. We're supporting the community. I ran out of donor money, but I got some marketing money. They're going to put banners up. They're going to put us you know, in their emails. They're going to mention us. So that's the end of it. Mm-hmm. But how do we co-create? Okay, the, the nonprofit doesn't know how to talk about it. The, the, the funder, the sponsor knows something but how to create the synergy of how that brand is represented through the work of the charity and how it creates a whole different result. Therefore, we have an ongoing relationship with a sponsor because it's beneficial. So how do we define those moving parts and those results?
1: So one of the strategies is, and this is why we recommend don't go and send that generic proposal when you've had no conversation with them. You want to be able to customize whatever you co-create with them. And you also don't wanna do gold, silver, bronze sort of generic packages, because again, that shows that there's been no customization. So to answer your question, Hugh, in terms of how do we get there? We ask a lot of questions. So there's a tendency, I'll give you an example. I was just on a sponsor call uh, the other day. They went from having one person on the first call to two people, now there's four of them on the call. And, and that, so that's always a really good sign when they're bringing in higher levels of decision makers. And my questions were things like, tell me more about your brand. When you think about the audiences that you're currently in front of, how do you get in front of them right now? And how's that working for you? Uh, what are the audiences you're looking to get in front of in 2021 and 2022? Why is that audience important to you? What are some of the marketing objectives that you've flagged for the next couple of years? Um, when you think about uh, sponsorship arrangements or collaborations for your company that have gone well before, what made them go well? What, give me an example of a standout uh, time that you partnered with a company. You're asking lots of who, what, where, when, why, and how questions to discover what matters to them, what's important to them. And where there's synergies. And one of the questions I asked on that phone call the other day is I said, wow, there's some incredible ideas and conversations happening on this call. I'm really curious from the four of you, where are you seeing the synergies? When you are looking at the project that I'm working on and the group I'm working with, what synergies are popping up for you? Hugh, I will tell you 90% of what they created in that moment were things that I would never have thought of. But because they knew, what, they knew what was important to their brand and they had enough information about this project, so they actually took my idea that was this big and it became like this big. <laughs> and then they also said, you know, there's five other companies that I think should be part of this conversation. We have deep relationships with them. I would like to be able to introduce this project you're working on to these five companies to see if we can't expand the impact that we co-create together. And, you know, they can talk with you about what they would be willing to contribute in sponsorship dollars. So that's the kind of magic that can happen when you focus on relationship and your words that you use, Hugh, co-creation, that's really important. You don't have to have all the answers. And in fact, I don't want to have all the answers because that would have squashed that big idea. I would have stayed here.
0: It's it's interesting. It's like, um, I write my my goals and tell God what I'm going to do. And I'm sure God's really amused at what what I've come up with. (laughs) It's sort of that same thing. You know, here's how it's going to run, guys. Well, it's like hiring a marketing specialist for your nonprofit and then tell them how to do it. Um, So in, in, in our teaching of leadership and center vision, we teach leaders that you do not have all the answers. What you do have is good questions and you do have two ears and one mouth so there's a lot to learn by listening and then leaving a little silence after they talk which is really validating so there's there's the personal interaction piece that's so important that validates that you care about their brand not just their money
1: yes that's key and now more than ever Sponsors, if we think about what's going on in the world right now, sponsors, um, many of them, the events that they used to get marketing uh, return on investment from, sports events, concerts, (laughs) big galas, gatherings, they're not able to do that right now. So some of them have either reallocated the money into keeping their businesses alive. Others have just said, we're going to have to reallocate this into other projects. So Um, This is actually a really good time for talking to sponsors the fall, many of them are doing calendar and uh, planning for April 1st, So you kind of hit two budget cycles. Um, Things often slow down in their world a little bit in November and December. So this is a time, you know, today I I'm sending out a lot of LinkedIn messages to hop on calls with people over the next three weeks because I want to get things moving before they get really busy when they come back. So, you know, Hugh, one thing that I was thinking when you were talking, I think of sponsorship, it's sort of like a puzzle. And there is a tendency for many nonprofits and service clubs and charities to go to the sponsor when the puzzle is 97% done. And there's maybe three or four holes, three or four pieces missing. And you're saying to the sponsor, we have this whole puzzle completed, but we only have room for you to be here, here, or here. That often results in a no, whereas you can go to a sponsor instead and say, here's what we're working on. Here's the pieces that we know for certain, or here's the areas that we've made commitments to already, and we really want to create a bigger impact. So you're going to them with a puzzle that isn't fully completed. And there's lots of ways that they can start to say wow I wonder if we did this or they might say hmm we might have dollars in our other um, pocket of funding to actually bring in this I'll give you an example we hosted a huge community conference that started out to be three hours it ended up being three days I don't know how that happened but I was on the committee so I'll take responsibility but we had sponsors who came in as cash sponsors and because we knew what all our needs were And we opened the conversation to say, how else can we better support you as a sponsor? One of the sponsors said, you know, it's really important for us to have employee engagement. We have a retention issue at our company. And we think that if our employees were engaged in the projects that we fund and support through sponsorship, this might make them feel a bigger part of the the company. So I said, wow, you know, we have incredible opportunities to engage your employees. And what ended up happening is they gave us 25 employees for three days to come to the event, to help people parking their cars, to be at the reception table, to be greeters, to be runners. And it was, an so that saved us having to find 25 volunteers for three full-time days. But then one of the sponsors, the same sponsor also said, what about if we in kind, So they combined cash and in kind, what about if we lent our communications and public relations team to the project, we could write all your press releases, we will leverage our media contacts, we will get media there for you, we will arrange for media with the speakers at your event. And we can also design the posters and get those printed at our own in-house print shop, Um, Do you need mail-outs? We could actually slip in card mail-outs when we send out our monthly mail. So all of a sudden, this sponsorship that was $25,000 cash turned into about a $75,000 arrangement because of what else they brought to the table in kind. And look at how committed they were to that event. They had their staff there. You know, their, their employees, partners, and families came.
0: But those, those um, conversations, um, those results happen through the conversations and exploring possibilities. And how do you raise um, awareness for the brand? Um, I know there's people that watch NASCAR races and they count how many times they see Coca-Cola's name. Right. I mean, there, there's some metrics of eyeballs. But what you're talking about is how do we create leads, quantifiable, quantifiable results, people actually go and buy their product. Mm-hmm. Now, it, it, sponsorships are not just for nonprofits. They no. the, for profits. My, can,
1: my company has a lot of sponsorship. You and you're, I mean, you've got sponsorship as well in your in your foundation.
0: So, um, yeah. and you know, there's there's a combination of cash and then added on, like you talked about the in kind, which really helps both of us. And that happens through exploring opportunities yeah. to to further the, the the combination of brands. And I've worked. 10 years creating a really solid brand so i could and i haven't even been on this journey but i am going to be dialing you up just talk about how do i take leverage that brand with audience we have to up the game that we have um so um talk about um you talked about your letter and i I wish i could have seen your red face when you realized that but (laughs) let's do it let's do a contrast what are some really bad things besides that, that 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 non-profit leaders do besides not checking them out you know the parallel to this for me yeah. you mentioned linkedin i have so many people that hey i can help you with your seo or drive more traffic and i said i'm gonna get fourteen thousand visitors who do this and this and this how many more do i need a right. month and, and you, you know, don't
1: know anything about me and you just sold me tried to sell me
0: I'm sure they get that kind of thing. Hey, we got this. Well, I don't want that. <laughs> yeah. So right. Before... And
1: I mean, what if you're not a fit with that company? What if there's no value alignment?
0: <laughs> Give me a contrast. What are some of the worst okay. people do? And then what are some stories of you've given us a few, but just are there a couple of things that really sizzle bad and good contrast yeah. those two?
1: So here's one. And I just love saying this. Sponsors tell me that one of their frustrations, especially with nonprofits, entrepreneurs tend to be a little more comfortable with this, not much, but with nonprofits, they said one of the biggest mistakes or frustrations is that nonprofits ask for too little. They value their their assets, so to speak. They value how they can support the sponsor in too little of a value. And I actually had a sponsor say this to me. I was working, it was a community nonprofit organization that I was working with. I wasn't helping them with their sponsorship. I sat on the board and was a committee. I was on the fundraising committee. And the sponsor said to me, Charmaine, we love what this organization is working on. We believe in your mission. I think you're gonna make a big impact. But honestly, the work that it would take me to give you $10,000 is far too much work had your ask have been bigger, we probably could have made something work. And then that's when you have to get really smart on your feet. How do you keep the conversation going? So I just thought I'm not going to take that as a no. I'll take that as a, well, let's have a conversation about this because, you know, I looked at the, here's how I came up with that. But I'm thinking that there's bigger ways that you want to be involved. Could we open the conversation and go there? So don't minimize the value of what you bring to the table and it might require us to get comfortable talking about our project in bigger um dollar signs <clears throat> excuse me the other uh, mistake that a lot of nonprofits make is they ask they knock on the door when they need money so there's no communication with the sponsor all year long and then it's like Ooh, our events in six months i better start knocking
0: Wow! Wow! So, so
1: important to keep that relationship going all year long.
0: Because um, the, um, the you know you have an event and you you market it and you rep- you you champion their brand um, and their products and their services all of that part of the brand, but it doesn't stop there because people are still going to remember it later. Yeah. So there should be a, a, a residual from all of that. It's going to bring ongoing value. So, so what are some of the best case scenarios? The one you said about—that's a good case. So, to give us another win-win story,
1: you know, another win-win story is um, I can I can recall uh, working on a project and the sponsor. I think they had sponsored this project twice. They were a relatively new sponsor. It wasn't a long relationship, but the nonprofit organization who was um, the executive director, they didn't even have a, a fundraising team. It was the executive director. She scheduled, I thought this was brilliant. She scheduled monthly time on her calendar to reach out to sponsors. So she did this in a variety of ways in springtime. I love what she did. She sent little flower pots with forget-me-not seeds and a package of forget-me-nots and said, thinking about you, that's it. No ask, no anything, just sent them a gift. Um, Getting closer to the event, she sent a photo in a frame from the last event that they sponsored. And they had all their volunteers and clients sign little notes on the back of the picture frame saying, thank you, we appreciated your support last year. So, and again, no ask, no mention of, we've got our event coming up, you know, six months from now, they just sent them that. Another time, uh, what I thought she was also doing that was brilliant is she paid attention to the news. And when she would see that company interviewed on the media, or maybe there was a press release that came out in social media, she would just leave a quick message for the sponsorship contact that she'd been dealing with. Hey, Um, Just wanted to say, I saw the news report the other day. That's fantastic. I loved how you were supporting this organization, some other organization, um, and what you were doing on that project. Way to go. We're just so, you know, so proud to, to have been a partner with you. So just acknowledging their successes as a company is a way of keeping the relationship going, because there isn't always something to talk about in between this event and that event but it's important to keep the conversations going. Also doing things like, um, I wonder if I could hop on a call with you for 15 minutes. They're called advice calls. I'm starting to gear up for some of our projects and I'm looking to reach out to past partners and sponsors to get some feedback because we really wanna make this event or this gala or this project, knock it out of the park. So you're looking for advice from them and input.
0: I'm thinking if you're doing a local event, and you're pitching a bunch of sponsors, they're all talking about you together because they know each other. Yeah. So I had a client in Germany yeah. um, a few years ago that was launching an international event in, in America, which I helped them book, by the way. Nobody would answer them because we don't know what goes on outside of our country. Right. And um, So it was choirs competing. And um, this was like a big deal event. It was twice as many participants as the Olympics. And so they, the the city needed to raise 10 million in sponsorship dollars. So they went to one international brand, which ended up the first million. And then they called the next one and said, Hey, we're in, we need you to be in. So there's some energy with some major, major sponsor coming on board who has relationships with others. And this was a home event that was an international event, which everybody's going to use toothpaste and soap. That was, a, that was that company. So it was good for the brand. It was good for their where their home office was and it was good for everybody. So how do you, how do you have that, you know, they're talking about you. So how do you put it together? and make it happen on a bigger scale.
1: I love that you've raised this, Hugh, because this is a missing piece. And man, when you can do what Hugh has just said, you will be remembered by sponsors. One of the things you can do is you can say to the sponsor, are there particular brands or companies that you find that you're often sponsoring events, projects, or programs that they are also sponsoring? Now, I'm just gonna give you a sidebar here. For example, when I was working on a project, it was a mental health um, mental Health month awareness project, a, a community event. And we were talking to a local realtor uh, who was you know, quite a successful company. Always start close to home when you're looking for sponsors. So we looked at the local realtor, not the national office of that realty company. And we said to her, um, I, I had done my research. So I noticed that there had been other events where she was sponsoring, her company was sponsoring, and so was the same insurance company, the same home staging company, and the same telecommunication company. And I said, I noticed there's been a lot of uh, events that these four of you have been sponsors, and I'm wondering, uh, tell me more about that. And she said, oh, well, we're actually cross-referring agents for one another. And, And she said, actually, the telecommunication company will only take events if two of these, there's five of them, I think, um, are partners. And I thought, wow, that's great to know. So these are questions that you can ask. Are there companies that they think you should be approaching? Um, you can ask if there's companies that they typically kind of co-sponsor with, and they'll happily share that information.
0: So you mentioned, um, we got about eight minutes or seven minutes left. So you mentioned a seven-step model. Mm -hmm. Uh, to help nonprofits, you know, can can you share what that is? Then I want to see some of your books too.
1: Perfect. So on our, on our website, raise a dream, we've got a little ebook that's free that you can download and it'll walk you right through that seven stage model. But essentially the seven stage model is the first thing we're doing is identifying what are the potential businesses and brands that we'd like to build relationships with. Then what we've got to do is we've got to research them. And then from there, we've got to connect. We've got to do that outreach, which then leads us to the discovery call, and then from that discovery call we may or may not do a proposal. Interestingly enough, I don't do a lot of proposals. We got to go from what we co-created and in plans into a contract. We kind of skip the proposal, but often there's a proposal that sometimes becomes the actual contract. And after the contract is done, whether that's an informal agreement by email or a legal contract, whatever you and the sponsor decide on, then we have to fulfill. We have to fulfill on our agreements so that we are delivering what we committed. And then there is recognition for the sponsor, making sure that we wrap up that that, um, arrangement with them. What is prevalent through the whole process of those seven steps is relationship and follow up relationship and follow-up are key. So we can certainly give that that information on our website and in our ebook. But when you understand that model, what you'll start to see is you start meeting sponsors um, when you're pumping your gas, when you are at the grocery store. I have met sponsors because I was sitting beside them on an airplane in the days that we could travel. So when you are aware of this model, you start looking at businesses and conversations very differently.
0: I remember when we used to attend live conferences.
1: Yeah, I remember back in the day.
0: <laughs> so, um, so back to your your ask was too little with that one one example. Um, I think sometimes our our request may be too small because we haven't factored in what we need to do for the sponsor to make sure that somebody's tracking where we highlight the sponsor. And now maybe the sponsor will do that, but we need somebody in the organization to make sure that they know what's going on and how do do we track results? So, So how do you factor that in? It's just kind of a guess, but you have some sort of way of figuring out how much it's going to cost to make sure that the sponsor gets eyeballs
1: and gets results? You betcha. So it's a process of valuation where you're really assigning value to the different assets that you're able to provide to the, to the um, sponsor. And that's going to look different from project to project and from nonprofit to nonprofit. But really what you're wanting to consider is, first of all, what are some of the, your costs of maintaining that sponsorship fulfillment? For example, if you said you're going to do Facebook ads and you're going to print their logo on certain things, you have a cost um, to that. So you've got to look at that, but you've also got to look at the the less tangibles, which is what is the value that you're bringing to the sponsor by giving them presence at the event? Maybe the sponsor is introducing one of the virtual speakers on, on an event or you know, some kind of a webinar. So you really want to take time to assign value and identify all of the ways in which you can support the sponsor, all the assets that you bring to the table. But the best thing to do is to ask them what would be meaningful for you? What do you need to see out of the sponsorship arrangement? How do you want to be recognized because sponsors will say, you know, there's zero, like I've heard heard this as recently as last week where a sponsor said, Charmaine, our logo all over the place, we don't look at that as having a dollar value attached to it because nobody knows what our logo means unless you go on our website. And I learned this when I did my Million Acts of Kindness tour, we were trying to talk about there'll be millions of eyeballs that will see your logo on the motorhome as it's driving across North America. And three sponsors said, that's awesome. And it has zero value to us, Charmaine. And I said, tell me, (laughs) right? Because nobody's sitting there driving their car going, looking at that RV motorhome in the next lane saying, I should look up that logo and try and take a picture of it. No one's doing that. And I said, what would have value? And the one sponsor said, you know, what would have value, Charmaine, is for you to provide our products as gifts to people at the events along your tour. Or what would have value for us is for me to be um, sponsoring events for you that we pay for and cover along your tour. So my brand gets introduced to um, to your community. That has value. The logo everywhere is something you should just do.
0: I went to the dentist this morning and I got a packet of all these little goodies and the brands brand names off of this, but you know, it represents the brand and I'm sure they're going to put it in your hand because you're going to use it and you say, I want to buy right. one. Of
1: it's so called sampling. Exactly.
0: That's not exactly a sponsorship, but it's that kind of idea, right? You put it there. Yep. So just real quick, show us your books and I got to do a Sure. Closing.
1: So I was first book was in chicken soup for the soul, which led to my first published book on Toby's terms. As you can see, nothing to do with sponsorship, everything to do with a dog. But this is how I started building sponsorship into my business, because everything we did from my book launch events to our kindness tours across North America were all sponsored. And then he inspired a children's book and another children's book that I just realized I didn't have with me these books and then most recently a desktop guide for working better together. And then our, and then our ebook on sponsorship.
0: So would you send me cover images? Those I'll put them on the page for you. you, And a link to where they are. And so I'm going to do a quick sponsor about our community, then back to you for a closing challenge or thought. So um, center vision has an online community, community for you, nonprofit leaders and clergy. And it's a private community away from the noise and clamor of social media, which you know we do. But here's a place where you can network with peers, grow your skills. You, you can have access to these webinars after they're done, but there's special webinars that, that are for um, you only, exclusively for you. And then there's Q&A time with Hugh every week. How do we network with peers? How do we grow our network? How do we share stories of success? Like I got this sponsorship and I'm in Florida, but I'm talking to somebody in California and they could do the same thing with a bank that's local there and not in Florida. So we can learn from each other, um, all kinds of things. And maybe somebody in Florida knows somebody in your neighborhood in Oregon that they could introduce you to. So the communities where we gather, we, we, we don't have colleagues around us all the time, especially now. So raise the bar on your skill raise the performance of your board and raise your revenue because you're better at what you do and we're better together. So it's nonprofitcommunity.org, nonprofitcommunity.org. We're sponsoring this because we're here. Charmaine, what closing thought do you want to leave people with?
1: Closing thought is I'd love to challenge everybody listening to this, whether you're live today or listening to the replay. I'd love for you to take one action. That could be researching a sponsor, writing a list of brands that you'd love to be in relationship with, getting clear about who your audience, but one action. Because what often happens is people hear helpful information and then they don't put it into motion. And one month goes by and three months goes by and a year goes by. And I want you to be able to start to step foot into building sponsorship, into your revenue model, because Sponsors will be able to help you create a much bigger impact in your organization. They will bring new partners to the table for you. And um, it has to happen by taking some action. So one little step today will start to put you into walking on that sponsorship path.
0: Good advice. Charlene Hammond, raiseadream.com. Thank you for sharing your wisdom with us today on the Nonprofit Exchange. Thank
1: you. Thank you.